This is the Ezra podcast. And we're talking about Shakur Stevenson today, who had the performance he needed. He had the fight he needed. He got the win he needed. And he, he needed to look the part. He needed to look the way he looked in the fight. And he beat Jamal Herring. Um, and there's there's to me, there's many ways to look at this fight. I'm not sure a lot of people are, are looking at the way I'm looking at it. Which I give him Shakur a lot of credit. Um, but I think you got two sides, and this usually happens, right? You got one side that's that's not really giving him much credit, it's just kind of trying to downplay the win. And you got other side that's overdoing the win and trying to put him above guys that are kind of proven, way more proven than he is at this point. So let's look at the how I'm seeing the fight, right? I'm seeing the fight as it was the, the it was the fight that needed to happen in this point of his career, right? To show that he has the talent, right? To show that his, the skill is for real, to show that he can apply it, to show that he can fight J- Jamal Herring, who at worst is a mid level fighter, you know, at best is a pretty damn good fighter, right? Is a is above average fighter, is a championship level fighter, at best, at worst is mid level. Right, he had to show that he was better than that, and not just better, right? Not just can scrape by on that. Is you know above him could get a win against him? No, he was superior in him, and it looked it, and it looked like two different levels of fighter when they got in the ring. That's what it looked like, and that's what he needed to show. So this enters him in the race, right, against uh, Tiafimo Lopez, against Lomachenko, against Javante Tank Davis. He is now in there in that category. He is proven to be at that level. Right now, he hasn't proven that he's better than any of these guys. He has not proven that, and I think that these guys have much better resumes. Lomachenko has a much better resume than Shakur Stevenson. Tiafimo has a much better resume than Shakur Stevenson. Javante Tank Davis has a much better resume than Shakur Stevenson. But Shakur now proves that his talent is ready to be at that level. That's what this was was to, here to accomplish. And another thing on the fight itself and why it was so entertaining, right? Well, it was because it meant a lot. It was because it was the stakes were high. It was there to really prove something. There was a storyline to go into it. And you know what? It, it kind of showed the matchmaking is not that hard. You just match the guys that are next to each other in the ranking. You just match guys that are in the top 10, make them fight each other. And guys that are uh, ready to compete for a title shot, those guys should fight each other. They're still ready to prove something in boxing. Those guys should fight each other. I don't think it's the hardest thing to figure out in matchmaking. Now... What is, uh, so there's, I told you there's two point of views of people looking at this fight. There's another point of view that's trying to, you know, downplay it. They're saying, well, he was supposed to beat Jamal Herring. He was a big favorite over Jamal Herring. He did what he was supposed to do. How good was Jamal Herring? He wasn't that good. See, there's, there's one side looking at it. Then the other side is saying, well, look at what he did to Jamal Herring. He's better than, uh, Devin Haney. He's better than Tank Davis. He's better than Tiafimo. He's one of the best guys in the world. And he very well could be, but he has not proven that yet. And we can't give it to him. You can't just give it to him. You can't just hand it to him. He's got to earn it. And there's guys to earn it against. But you can't also downplay with Jamal Herring. Jamal Herring's a good fighter. He just beat Carl Frampton. He just uh, changed his whole style up. He, gave, he won and earned everything he had to earn in this fight. And he fought at a, a high level for himself in that fight. He didn't look like, oh, he looked. He didn't look washed. He, didn't look, he looked like he came in there in shape uh, with the game, with the, uh, maybe not a game plan, but he went in there with the, you know, sharp for his skills set. And he was just, he was outmatched. So that was the test he was, the, that Shakur was there to prove. He did that. Now, he didn't surpass all these fighters that have already been doing that. No, he didn't do that either. But boxing is a real, what have you done for me lately sport? So was MMA. 
the real what have you done for me lately hell every sport is nfl you got you know a team wins big on a monday night it's a primetime game suddenly that team is you know on top of the power rankings uh the the, the quarterback is the uh mvp uh, the lead mvp candidate right Th- that's just how it is it's just what you what's everybody watching what they've seen lately that's what the refresh the memory right you had Usyk who just beat joshua and people were saying that that's a damn good fight and Usyk now he's you know he's not going to be able to be beat and the only guy could probably beat him maybe is wilder or you know maybe wilder's power maybe would be a problem for him and then wilder loses and now fury is like well fury's too big for you sick there's no chance he has it uh, in that fight and now it's that's a mismatch it's it's very what have you seen recently and that's what we're, we're dealing with but none of it matters because shakur is now there right and he can match him with oscar valdez next which is an excellent fight and to me i looked at it trying to see what they could go next with him and that to me really is the only fight that makes sense now do they make him wait for oscar valdez to fight navarrete maybe they do something like that top rank uh is probably gonna want to milk you know as many fights as they can out of these guys before they make them fight each other and diminish uh one of their products but that's an excellent fight and shakur looks like his size is coming in that he's going to be moving up soon and get to that 135 where, you know, there's a lot of paydays for however long Tiafimo stays there, for however long Ryan Garcia stays there, for however long uh, Devin Haney stays there. But it seems to me like Tank can easily make 135, and that'd be an excellent fight, excellent matchup. But Shakur proved what he needed to prove in that fight. That his ability and what we were seeing, it, it's not just um, speculative. You know what I mean? It's not just... Us assuming he could do it. No, he actually applied it, and he looked very good. And he was uh, there to prove a point. Now, there is things that I uh, maybe I want to critique. Is I felt like he could have got Herring out of there sooner. I thought he kind of had to put his foot on the gas just a little bit more. And it just doesn't seem in Shakur's mentality. Now, people are gonna say if that's does he have the dog in him uh, or whatever the, you know the expressions are. Does he have that in him? Right. Um, you know, his mentality is defensive first. And a lot of times when the guy's mentality is offensive first, like Tank's mentality is offensive first. He could probably be better defensively, but he's always thinking of him landing the big shot. So it allows him to get hit. Shakur's uh, mentality is defensive first. So he's not going to do anything to put himself where he can get hit clean. He's just not. So he only will apply his offense to the point where he gets to finish where he knows he has the full advantage of doing so. He's playing chess in there. And he's not risking his queen. He's not risking his king in any way. He won't even do, he won't even do it to say he won't even do it to set a trap. He's not risking his chin. He's a very cautious fighter. Now was he a little more aggressive in this fight? Yes, but I think it's because he started landing very easily and he started seeing that what he what he could do and felt really confident in it, and that's when he started playing it. But he's not a guy that's going to take a lot of chances if he doesn't have to. I haven't seen anyone put him in that position yet. I thought Jamal Herring maybe could do that. He didn't. And he's not gonna guys gonna go out of his way to do that. So I just thought, you know, he could have put fun gassing a little bit. No, and even the stoppage was questionable, right? It looked like Jamal Herring could probably keep going there, feel like the ref was just seeing the damage in his face and just said, All right, no, but it wasn't like Shakur went and said, I'm gonna make you stop this fight. He didn't. He never did that in the fight. So if things aren't going his way, right, and the things aren't going in the direction he needed does he have that in him we we don't know yet that's a, those one of those things you have they have to be answered the only way they could be answered is by fighting better credible opponents who can make you get to that spot 
Jamal Herring, you know, I want to give him credit where it's due. It's, uh, this is a guy that earned, like I said, he earned everything to get to this point. And he didn't ever in this fight to me feel like, oh, I'm going to, you know, just ride this out to the decision and take the loss. No, he, he was trying to win this fight. And I had I heard a lot of people saying, oh, he needs to, you know, even the, the commentators are saying, you know, he needs to make a dog fight. He needs to get ugly in there. It's not really a strategy. And um, it's a simple thing to say. It's a simple thing to say. If you could just, you know, the way to commentate boxing, right, and to commentate how a fight goes, one guy's going to box, and the other guy's going to try to make it ugly. It's simple to do. That's like, you know, sometimes when you have MMA guys and they're not the best stand-up guys commentating, that's the stuff that they would say. And I, I see it seeping in now in boxing. It's like, that's that's not a strategy. Making it ugly is not a strategy. You could tell a, a, a local drunk in the audience to do that. That's, it's not a way to fight. That's what Rolly Romero is going to do to the tank because he doesn't have the skills. He has to make it ugly because he doesn't have skills. Jamal Herring has skills. He's a fighter with abilities where they could do things. You can't just say, oh, he's going to make it ugly and he's going to make it a dog fight. That's a mentality, but that's not a skill. That's not applying anything. It's not applying a strategy. So whenever I hear that right away, that's just someone telling me that they don't really believe this guy has a chance. If you think that Anthony Joshua, when he fights Usyk, all he has to do is just make it a dog fight. Usyk is a very skilled fighter. Okay, he's not. He's seen it all. He's faced in sparring. You see it all. This is the same mentality that you know Conor McGregor had going against Floyd Mayweather. It's not a real thing. It's make believe. It's not knowing how to explain. You know, not being able to come to the strat in your head. Not being able to explain what the guy should do. You just say that. But that's not the thing. What Jamal Murray did. Um, was the jab. The jab, no. Did he come forward with the jab? Yes. And he made Shakur, because Shakur's defensively minded, stay at home with the jab. So it allowed him to start getting a little bit of offense off. But the only thing was, Shakur said, I'll step in, and he was better on the inside than Jamel, which I said he was going to be. I, I nailed the fight prediction on this one. I've been on a pretty good roll. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to start, you know, speaking up when I'm right about these things because I was good this weekend, and I've been good for a lot of fights. I nailed the Tyson Fury wilder fight and I nailed a few of these fights um but yeah and so you can't just say but you know Bomack there was a conversation of like is Bomack one of the top trainers I, I'm sure he gets fighters ready for a fight and I've seen improvements with Herring when he worked with Bomack I've seen improvements with Brant when he worked with Bomack but I've also seen them get into a fight and him not have anything to offer and him just go quiet or him just say the same thing over again and he had nothing to offer in this fight he had nothing to offer Herring to any adjustment strategies or he just said, you know, make it ugly. And anyone could have said that. And I, I seen him do it with last time with Brant as well when Brant was outmatched. He, he nothing. He went quiet. He didn't have anything to offer. And I, I'm going to hold that against him. You know, there's a thing with training a fighter to get to a fight and he always cut the fighters always come prepared. They come a little bit better technique wise, but uh, is also training during a fight or, you know, getting your fighter to adjust or, or adding, you know, insights that he's not seeing or maybe just getting the encouragement that he needs to pull through or increase his performance. And I'm not saying Jamal had a bad performance. He didn't. But I just felt like he wasn't getting really any advice on what he should do. And they, I thought that they, if they had a strategy early, Bowman kind of abandoned it early and was just like making a dog fight. And I don't feel like that's what maybe they went in there to do because it looked like Jamal kind of came out to box. I don't think Jamel was willing to accept that he was just going to get outboxed by Shakur. And I think that's not a bad strategy because you should do what you're best at. 
And if the guy is better than you at it and you have to see it in the ring for, you know, you got to make him prove that. Don't just go in there and give up what you're best at. Apply what you're best at. And then once you see that you don't have it, then you can go and switch to the the B, the plan B. But you should do what you're best at. Jamal went there to try to do what he's best at. It wasn't working. Then he came forward with the jab, which I thought was the strategy should be, is, you know, a, a, a busy jab. Um, same kind of offense, a distance, everything, but just busier with it. And he, he did do that. He came forward and was working the jab and everything like that. But Shakur was just better than the inside. And that, at that range, he was faster and he hit harder and he had more balance. And the back leg was just took less movement to get where he needed to be or to get him in position to punch. From the back leg alone, when you watch these fighters and the way you see Jamal Herring's back leg trying to find the balance to get his shots off, and you look at Shakur's and it's, the movements are much slighter. Then Jamal Herring's were a lot longer and sliding. You knew that the the talent and skill level was the there was a there was a big gap between them. You could just see it. And Jamal was gonna have to uh, try to get Shakur to you know stay home and maybe beat his mentality, right? But you have to do it with skill. You're not gonna just uh, go wild on him. Okay, he's a skilled fighter. He'll catch your mistakes. But he just didn't have it. And Shakur did everything he needed to do. Now, I thought, like I said, I thought he could put his foot in the gas more. He didn't do it. Still got the stoppage. Still dominant win. Still uh, impressed a lot. And I think captured the imagination of a lot of fans. And maybe some don't want to see it and just, you know, went in there thinking, oh, he's going to smoke this guy anyways. But if he went in there thinking he was going to smoke Jamal Herring, who's a pretty good fighter, then you already respect him. You would all already have to admit you pretty much respect him as a pretty high-level fighter himself. On the undercard, he had uh, Nico Wash, which is Ollie's grand, uh, grandkid. And, you know, the, the the fake uproar, or even if it's not fake, it's just contradicting uproar of... Uh, not contradicting. What, would I, what am I looking for? It's just... It's nonsense, or is what it is. It's nonsense. Uh, people mad that Nico Wash is getting this airtime. Air so, in he, he brings in views. He brings in attention. People know the Ollie name. And it's the same when ESPN puts Bronny on the highlights. You know what I mean? Is Bronny the best high school basketball player in the world? No, he's not. He's not. By far, he's not. But he's LeBron James' son. And, you know, star power is just star power. And name power is star power. And if you have Tim Tebow and you put him playing baseball, it's going to get views. And if you put Tim Tebow at tight end, it's going to get views. But people are acting like it's the most outrageous thing ever. It's like, no, it happens all the time. You had Diego De La Hoya. You had, uh, you know, you even had Shane Mosley's son. You had Chavez Jr. It happens all the time. This isn't anything new. He's winning. You know what I mean? He's not completely unskilled. He's he has some things. He has some things. You've seen uh, also Evan Holyfield on there. He he looked pretty decent. He looked all right. You know, not the the you know, top notch prospects, but you don't know what they can grow into. You don't know what they have in them. You don't know what kind of talents could be exposed from them. But you have this outrage of like, oh, they're bums and everything. It's like, the, hey, they draw views. And they're training the professional fighters. They're going in there. They're not um, disrespecting the sport. Hell, if you still, Chavez Jr. could get a main event somewhere. And he disrespects the sport. He comes in out of shape. There's a lot of fighters that come in and disrespect the sport. James Tony refused to cut weight. Refused to come in shape. He went to heavyweight just because he didn't want to fight. So is that not disrespectful to the sport? And people really are like, oh, man, I really, you know, the pre, they still show the whole, the whole undercard. You can still watch all the fights happen. They still show prelims. 
If people are mad that you know Nico Walsh is getting a little airtime before right before the main event, they still have the whole undercard. You can watch all that. If you're a real fan, go go watch it. Tune in early. Make the time. I I don't get this fake outrage. I really don't. Or if it's real outrage, it's misplaced. Let's go to the UFC card. You had Marvin Vittori versus Paulo Costa, and Paulo Costa didn't refuse to make weight, and not just refuse to make a he refused to make a catch weight. He went to just straight light heavyweight. That's what he went. He went light heavyweight and was just like, we'll make this happen here. And I was going to pick Paul Costa in this fight until I saw that. And I knew that he wasn't in shape for this fight. I knew that he wasn't taking training camp serious. And he, he just thought, I'll just show up. And Paul Costa's in a bad spot mentally for fighting. And the way I phrased it on Twitter was both guys had saw the level and skill of Stylebender. And only one of them had had their uh, spirits broken. And that was Paul Costa. Paulo Costa is never going to get back to the point where he was at when he fought Stylebender. He's never going to be taken serious like that. He will never be in shape again. He probably will never make 185 again. Marvin Vittori was going to make 185. Marvin Vittori still believes he can beat Stylebender. He still believes he can be champion. Paulo Costa doesn't believe he can be champion. At least in middleweight. He does not believe that anymore. He's seen something which was a different level and it broke his spirits. Marvin Vittori didn't have that. Now, I see a lot of people saying, well, you know, uh, Costa and them, they still put on a great fight. It wasn't his cardio. It was his cardio. Because what he had to dig do, uh, dig down deep was his heart. That's why he couldn't come out the way he needed to come out. That's why he got uh, pieced up early. And he had moments, yes, where he would rock uh, Vittori. He's also probably the bigger man and took to that weight better. But that's also just off of, like, you know, just experience of fighting. It's also just, to use James Tony reference again, James Tony used to never train. He would just spar. He wouldn't train. He'd just spar. And he would go fight heavyweights, guys that were way bigger than him, way naturally bigger than James Tony. And he, he would be able to stand with them and win fights and lose some, but keep competitive just off of knowledge of fighting and just off of experience and also being there so much. That's just what Costa stood in with. He just, he knows, he knows how to, he knows how to, um, he knows how to like uh, throw bombs. He knows how to be in a slugfest. Just traded like a sparring session. He was never in position to me to win the fight. Maybe he might have rocked Vittori a little bit, but Vittori was in shape. He was in control. He was a little bit um, uh, slicker. He was a little bit uh, sharper with his offense than he was even in the Izzy fight. He's gotten better. He This guy has not been deterred. He's mentally stronger. Um, the fight did go to the clinch as I imagined. It went exactly how I thought it would go. And Vittori was... Sharper to start off with, and and Paulo Costa had to work his way into the fight, and then he did. And when he hurt him, he ended up blowing his load. And then Vittori, you know, Vittori will have problems if he's trying to match like wits with someone standing up, right? And someone's experience, he's gonna have a hard time because he's not thinking as fast as Izzy is. But against like Paulo Costa, especially one's out of shape and he's allowing him to think, Vittori gets pretty good. He could pick his shots because he's constantly working his game. He's just not at the speed that he needs to be for like the very elite guys of like in the speed I don't mean his hand speed I don't mean the you know foot speed I mean his brain reacting to the movement the body reacting to the the brain the thought process everything that you know I he sees one thing opening and his brain seeing it and his body reacting to it it's not there yet because he just doesn't doesn't have enough experience enough time it might not ever catch up to that you know what I mean it might not just be talented enough to do that but it was faster this fight than it was in any previous fight he was also a little more fluid with his feet. And I want to see Marvin Vittori go forward because I see that he has a mental strength and a belief in himself that he wants to be a world champ. And 
maybe the best thing happened for him is Stylebender kind of gets bored of middleweight and runs that challenge, goes a lot heavyweight. But Tori could compete for a title at that weight. Now, my guess is he doesn't, and there's another guy that comes in, runs through the the division because just there's just certain talent gaps between Vittori and top guys like that, like Izzy at middleweight, uh, maybe even Rob Whitaker. You know what I mean? It's just a talent gap that he's doing. But this is a guy that works hard and he's committed to his game. Paul Costa isn't. We've got to call it what it is. He's not committed to his game, and he's never going to get to that position again. I think he should stay at 205. I think there's some interesting fights around 205, and I think the skill, skill level drops at 205. Now, staying at 205, will he be able to get in shape like he needs to for a fight because he doesn't have to cut weight, so it doesn't have to work as hard? Time will tell on that. But I think at middleweight, I can't see him making weight. He came in 20 pounds heavier than he was supposed to, and I can't see him being you know, committed to making weight or wanting to work that hard. After seeing the defeat that he did, he's got to kind of get his confidence back. And that's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy when you see, you know, fighting at that level. It won't. We got, uh, well, we were supposed to have Wallen versus White this weekend, which was a fight that I was excited about. But, you know, we're going to have a UFC. We're going to have some fights to break down. It was a good fight. It was a good It was a good weekend for fights. It was, um, it was an important test for Vittoria. It was an important test for Shakur. And let's see where Shakur goes from there. Now it's... You got budget promoters. You have a bunch of fighters between these weights. There should be great fights. You know, everywhere you turn, it's almost impossible to make a bad fight. You know what I mean? Like, Jojo Diaz had Ryan Garcia, which is a great fight. Ryan Garcia gets hurt. Now he has Devin Haney, and it's still a great fight. Like, do you know what I'm saying? That Tiafimo, after he fights Cabosos, and he win, if he wins, he will have so many options to fight and so many promoters that want to make these fights. And Tank Davis is fighting Roley Romero, which isn't a fight I'm very, I'm very interested in, but of course I'll watch it. But after he wins a fight, maybe not under his own banner, but all the other promotions, right, if they can make the business work, there's fights to get excited about. There's matchups to get excited about. And it's really just on the promoters and the fighters that this doesn't happen. But 2022 is set for the 135, 140, and 130 divisions to, to really steal the show, which I think heavyweight division has kind of been stealing the show uh, this year. Um, I, I think that 135 should steal the show next year. It's in perfect position. And I think you should get a Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney fight. You should get it, or at least the winner, Devin Haney, Jodo Diaz. You should get Tiafimo Lomachenko again. You should get Tiafi, you should get, um, Shakur versus Oscar Valdez. And it's interesting seeing where Tank goes. Cause he's kind of in the spot where, you know, they're kind of desperate for opponents. I mean, if you have to say, if Rolly Romero's getting a shot already, you would have to admit that they're kind of desperate for opponents, especially because last fight he had him with 140. Right, to make an interesting matchup. So it's interesting to see where they go. And it's the shifts of who's in the better position. Because Shakur's not in a bad spot. He's under Lomachenko. He's there with Teofimo. He's with Oscar Valdez and Those are all interesting fights. Now Tank is beats Rolly Romero. It's like, where do you go? You fight a legit guy at 140? Do you fight uh, Chris Colbert? Do you fight... Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Well, you like you know, there's not a lot of matchups for him. You got... On the other side, you got, if Golden Boy stays with his own, you have Devin Haney, you have Ryan Garcia, you have Jojo Diaz. There, there's It's interesting, the parts are moving, but there's options there. But now, like, the power shifting to top rank, where they have a little bit more moves they can make. That's the beauty of the boxing. The storylines never end. They just constantly shift, and you got to be watching to see where's the next shift going. And at 135, top rank now has some moves that they can possibly make. 
Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.